Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your undefeated in the postseason Boston Celtics 4-0. It's a sweep. Down goes Philly. We can celebrate, but we can only celebrate so much because they did not have Ben Simmons, who, and I've had this debate with my son already, definitely provides a big punch defensively. We know that it does limit their offense, but this is a team that really hung their hat on defense. There's no question that not having Ben Ben Simmons had an impact on that. However, it was really a tale of two different games. We had the first two games where Tatum looked like just all world, like top three player in the NBA. Can't stop him. Then he struggled a little bit, but just when that happens, Kemba Walker steps up. You and I had a chance to talk about it, John, after game three, but kind of a repeat scenario in game four. So interesting. And and I will just say, I'm not going to let Gordon Hayward, you know, just all of a sudden disappear because this matchup we're going to be talking about after we wrap this series, the one against the Raptors, he would have been a huge help in this series coming up. He definitely will not be available. There's a chance if they get to the Eastern conference finals that he'll be able to play. But, um, but at the same time, there is a lot of depth at the top of this roster and the young players, some of them, as we talked about on the last show, looking like, This is their second season, having it a little bit more together, playing strong and just all those options. Can't say enough about Ennis Canner's performance, especially with Daniel Tice falling uh, with uh, not falling, but being taken out of the first, what, 30 seconds of game four because of an early foul, which obviously is concerning for Brad Stevens with that matchup against Embiid. Yeah, well, there was, you know, I think there was something was going on. Uh, you know, to play, you know, to play that 30 seconds, get yanked out. We know Brad is willing to make a quick, quick uh, call to get somebody Hook. out of a game. Hook but, him. but, but that was, that was extraordinary, particularly to start a game like that when you're up three, three, nothing. And, 
you know, <laughs> there's, you know, there's a whole game left to play and, and, and numerous opportunities to fix that. But, you know, that's why Brad Stevens, you know what that Brad is? Stevens and we yeah. are who we are. That's the old, you know, George Bush Jr., right? F- fool me once, can't, uh, uh, can't fool me again. Um, the way that game three went with the foul trouble, I think that was Brad's statement. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to expose it. If I let this slide and you've got three fouls on him and then in the second half, he's limited, I'm not having it. So in a way it was, I think it was a little bit of a strategic play on the way that the game was officiated in game three and game four was looking kind of ugly too, but then it kind of shifted around in that second half. And the next thing you know, they're up big. Yeah, you know, they were I think they were they were a big they were uh I, I think they were also um you know, I never felt that the series was in doubt really. I mean, to to, no. be, to be honest, I never felt like we were in an opportunity where this could go in in any direction. I felt the whole time we were solid uh you know, even you know, maybe the first game when they they got behind big and then you know, and then really kind of pushed forward and really solidly won that one. After that, I'm like, there's no way. There's just they're just better team. They're just a better team. How many times in that series did you look up the scoreboard and say, yeah, we're down by, or yeah, it's close, but it everything. But they're not playing well. Philly. Yeah, they're right. not Every, playing right. well. It's so clear and, that and when Philly they decide to put their everything. foot on the gas, yes, they were doing everything they you know? could. So you put Josh those things together. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Richardson had a really strong series. Really what they needed on that club was some outside shooting and some scoring. He gave them that. There was a little bit, you know, flash from Alec Burks and and different players, but I feel like all four games Josh Richardson did a great job. Now, we know that Philly ends up the day after the sweep, they fire Brett Bar- Brown and you and I talked about it. Big mistake there unnecessary I, I still think brett's solid coach but josh came out and threw him right under the bus around accountability and not just in the postseason but from the very very beginning of the season so let me ask you john what do you think is is josh potentially a, a clubhouse cancer who throws his coach under the bus or is there merit to brett not being able to wrangle some of the players on this team and, and hold them accountable and set expectations. Well, look, there, there's been issues and whispers about the issues about of accountability on that team for years. That that's that's nothing new. Uh, so I think maybe to go as bold and for a player to say it on the record like that, that would probably be, you know, as you were saying, that's kind of where it goes to another level. You know, I think that's that's the only thing you're going to hear from a player. You know, and and we're not going to be able to say this this worked this way or this didn't work that way. Jimmy Butler also had somewhat similar complaints. No complaints from Joel Embiid. No no complaints from Ben Simmons. But you know what? I think that's the problem. <laughs> I think that's the issue is is not challenging those two guys enough to grow, to be different, to be better. Joel Embiid is is as dominant a force. In the, has the potential to be as dominant a force as there is in the NBA. And, counting and yet, well, counting LeBron James, and yet he comes up didn't short. Didn't seem like we could wear him down and over again. This like, small Celtics team, that's all we do, <laughs> seemed like we could wear him down. 
I mean, but think about the extended periods on the bench. That's my point. We so did it two years is, ago, and nothing's changed. That's is that the, a conditioning it, thing? Is it an course. effort thing? Is it a no Simmons yes. thing? Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You're absolutely right. But it's also Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, at some point, yes, you could say, well, Brett Brown needs to get these guys in better shape. That's a, that's on Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has got to have that in him to a much greater degree. I mean, I think that there's so many issues with this Philadelphia 76ers. The problem, and so when you said, you know, this is this really all on Brett Brown? No, it's definitely not all on Brett Brown. I think Brett Brown's been set up to fail since the moment he signed a contract there. You know, I mean, whether they fight, fired him in the third year, the fifth year, now the seventh year, I don't think it really matters. He they he signed up for a situation. He, he was lucky in some parts to, to take a – a head coaching gig, maybe before he was necessarily ready. He got paid decently to get their doors blown off for three years as they went through the Sam Hinkie process. They've gone through that, but they've never really changed. You know, they've never really been challenged. You know, and being kind of, you know, when I play and when I'm available and Ben Simmons sat the first year out and, you know, there's all this like process stuff. That in terms of chemistry and character, they were never able to kind of build off of. And you contrast that with the Celtics, who went through a teardown of sorts in that 2013 season or 2014 season, Brad Stevens' first year there. And Danny Ainge refused to tear it down to the studs, as Hinky did. And as a result, they still had that fire. They still had that that oomph behind them. And yes, they have lucked out in taking those draft picks from the, the Nets deal uh, for Pearson Garnett, but there was never any shortage of that, that firepower. And the Celtics were, they didn't want to keep loading them up. You're right. Without, without that, the, the Isaiah Thomas teams were not there because Jalen Brown was leading the way or right. you know, two years ago, because it was Jason Tatum. It was, Jay Crowder, it was Avery Bradley, it was Kelly Olynyk, you know, Tyler Zeller. And it gave him a taste. You know, that's the long-range view of Danny was, let's get them in the postseason so they know what it's like, so when they got a real shot, they'll not have to act like they've been there. They will actually have been there. Getting that experience before you even turn 20 Super critical. I mean, it's been two years since they played that Philly series, right? Um, and this is really important for young players' development. And and to your point, he, not only did they play to win, but I feel like Danny went out and made moves to become winners and add the ability to win games instead of chasing those picks after they got a couple of key pieces. And And that's really probably the smartest thing they could have done but you know what there's a lot of gms out there that would try something like that and they wouldn't hit on picks like brown who was booed and tatum who they swapped a pick for they would have taken markel fultz and they would have taken what was it dragon bender was that one of the guys that was in brown's (laughs) class yeah so imagine right now if you're a different gm and your picks were Fultz and Bender, where would you be? And and then you went out and got pieces to try to keep winning? You're mired in me- mediocrity. So I would say that all this does for any Danny hater is basically tell you to shut up. <laughs> There's just no beating this. Yeah, and I think, you know, so absolutely. And you look at what Philly has done and, and why I say it's, it's more than Brett Brown. 
I mean, look, the Fultz pick is what it is. And whether there's a congenital issue there or what, whatever happened there, that's that goes down to scouting. That goes down to, you know, there was rumors of, you know, a trainer was working with him on a shot over that summer. And that's what made exacerbated the yips effectively that he got. Um, you know, it, I can't imagine the Boston Celtics. I'm not saying that, you know, everything they do is perfect, but I can't imagine the Boston Celtics would let that have happened. You know, it can't I, be and, perfect. And we, that's the oh. whole point. That's why when you pull something like this off and you win on top draft picks, and a lot of people don't, and then you get them into the postseason, there's just – we even compared them to the Golden State Warriors, and they had early success in their youth, but not this early. Not this oh, early. Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, remember, part of the reason that they were able to get a guy like Andre Guadala in Golden State was because of the fact that uh, <laughs> they only had to pay you know, Steph – $10 million, a four-year, $40 million contract. You know, he was a low, you know, he was a, yeah, he's got talent, uh, but he can't stay healthy because of his ankle. You know, <laughs> I mean, this was not happening in Golden State then. And then he got healthy and everything truly turned around. All right, let's move on to the next series. I think we've wrapped that up. That was a lot of fun. And I believe game one of the series against the Raptors is Thursday, right? Am I right? That's when it kicks yeah. off. Thursday. All right. Thursday it is. Well, supposedly. So we're going to leave that. Let's just focus on the series. I can't even handle the concept of not potentially watching more basketball now that I've had this long overdue taste. So, and I'm going to stay out of the politics of it. Let's move to this round. Let's talk yeah. about the Raptors. We mentioned. I mentioned the loss of Hayward could absolutely have an impact on this series. But I also think that we should look back at the season series, including the one game that they played in the bubble to wrap that up as they were doing the eight seeding games. Let's let's just go through each one. Let's look at the time of year, you know, who had the biggest performances for both teams and let's just see if we can't walk ourselves through to some predictions here and try to figure out just how much of an impact not having Gordon Hayward is going to have on this team. Because because obviously Romeo Langford is not Hayward, but defensively, he's had some pretty good showings here in the postseason. And offensively, he had a three, like, again, He's not going to be at Hayward status, but maybe we can still get by on the switchability and the versatility that this team needs to beat the Raptors. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what what this highlights to me going into this is, you know, before we get too far into the, the, the results of what's occurred over the last you know four games here between these two teams, you know, a lot has has changed. Remember, I mean, when they started this season, uh, Pascal Siakam came out like a like a house on fire. Uh, he was absolutely amazing the first month, six weeks, eight weeks of the season. Cool off considerably. All star, right? That's what all they were star. Saying. Absolutely, I'm, absolutely. Cooled off a lot. Um, shooting le- sub thirty percent here in the bubble. Um, in the bubble, both playoffs and and in you know in the seeding games. So. The, the the spicy P, as it were, which is really a nickname I really despise. I just think it's gross. 
Um, nothing to say on the player. I, uh, he's a good player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm just saying the nickname, I think, sucks. So yeah, you hate, you, you hate – you don't hate the player or the game. You hate the nickname. I hate the nickname, right? <laughs> exactly. That's pretty good. That, that's that's a good line, you know. Don't hate the player. Don't hate the game. Hate the nickname. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's you Put that on our bumper stickers, guys. Um, but – you know, so to me, like the way that this thing, and now we've got Jason Tatum, who has absolutely rocketed since the All-Star break. So, and that has not ended in any way. 28 and 15 in the clincher against Philly. I mean, that's, and that was a ho-hum 28 and 15, oh, by the way. Uh, so, you know, but we're, we, we have one star that's on the ascendancy. Not to say Siakam is terrible, is bad, is, is not, you know, worthy of, of being concerned with, but, but he's, you know, He's maybe come down to earth a little bit, um, and and of course Tatum has, has risen. I th- to me that a lot of this comes down to Raptors bench versus Celtics bench, right? You where, where you pull they're very that, deep. They're very deep. You don't With, have like, Hayward. real scoring punch, like real Absolutely. scoring punch. We've taken you've taken Tatum or taken Hayward out of the mix. So now Smart, really your best, far and away your best bench player, is now a starter. And so now your your bench is led by Rob Williams, uh, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, uh, Brad Watermaker. I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Ennis Cantor, honestly. I think it's a this is a it's a Grant and Rob show. And and so to me, as I look at this, as they're kind of working. Hey, real towards, quick, real quick, yeah. are you solid on Marcus Smart in the starting lineup? Uh, because Absolutely. Wanamaker seems to be doing some decently savvy veteran stuff. I think they play around with the sub patterns with the starters and do keep Marcus there, but there is a consideration in this series based on, you know, that depth where you would consider moving smart. And if things don't go well early, you could see that move. Yeah. I I think I wouldn't, I mean, look, the, the guy you worry about to me, there's two guys. You obviously you're worried about Ibaka um, and you worry about Norm Powell. I mean, not to say that, you know, Boucher is not a guy to worry about or, you know, uh, my point is, to me, Norm Powell is, is the scorer off the bench that really gets them going. And so, you know, defensively, to me, the match there is what you're looking for. They have a veteran bench. I mean, Boucher, obviously, you know, older player, but Norm's been around a long time. Ibaka, obviously, I think he's 85 years old. Um, you know, they, they were as contrast that with the Celtics bench. And so you've got a bench that's made up of a Just lot so of, bench. you know, Ibaka's four years younger than Lowry. <laughs> that's, not real. that's not real. If you believe that, <laughs> I don't think he's that age. He can't man. be any worse than the same age. Let's say it no, that way. Then I'm telling, all I'm saying is birth certificates. We've all seen the Dominican birth certificates of these players, you know, and, Danny Almonte and all that. So there's always been rumors about that with Ibaka. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think, I think they're, they're an older group though, you know, and they're, they're battle tested. Sure. But like, to me, you, you, the Celtics hope that they can get more. Ainge has built these benches with the idea that they're going to get higher ceiling, maybe a lower basement, but a higher ceiling out of what these guys are that make up his bench. And so now, it's, it's put up or shut up time for guys that, you know, haven't done it elsewhere, you know, for, for Romeo's and Grant's and Rob Williams, this is their time to show it. And they don't have, you know, a, 
a Gordon Hayward. They don't have um, someone of the caliber of, of a Norm Powell or a, or a Serge Ibaka to play next to them, you know, to kind of keep them, you know, together. You see these, you know, bench and Tatum lineups, which were very successful against, you know, uh, Philly. It would be interesting to see if they can have that same effect here, not just in the bubble game, but in a playoff game uh, in the bubble, because that certainly was 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 effective um, in in the game here. Uh, what was it two weeks ago or so? So, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's to me that's the, the the matchup. People complain about the Celtics' ability to to draft, and can they, you know, get draft players who are effective in the playoffs? Here's going to be their chance against veteran players who maybe have lower ceilings, but certainly can produce. Yeah, that's where the Hayward factor really comes into play. Even if you, even if because the Raptors have, you know, a smaller backcourt with that Van Fleet being, you know, what is he, 6'1", and Lowry's like six foot. We're matching them with Kemba, you know, being on the, on the lower side of six feet. But Marcus Smart is tough and six foot four and, you know, great defender. There's even a world where you put Hayward on the bench to facilitate that offense in a series like this and have a little bit more scoring punch, especially as aggressive as he was getting through those eight seeding games. And then the first, well, not much a game one, but he was definitely attacking the basket. You could have seen a little flip-flop there so that you maintained some length because um, and, and with that veteran presence coming off the bench, you know, especially where you look at somebody like Ibaka, who's seven foot. So, uh, John, let's do this. I'm not sure if your pizza is ready or not, but I'm hearing some background noise. Your pizza <laughs> might be ready. Just so Good everybody buddy, knows. John is legit cooking a pizza while we record this. This is the new world that we're in in the pandemic is John. John doesn't even go to his room to record anymore. He's probably walking around with a headset and his iPad just cruising around the house. Once in a while, the kids chime in. And tonight, tonight he's cooking a pizza. I love it, dude. That's right. (laughs) Old Chef Boyardee over here. Yeah, that's me. Has your personal life ever been more present to your professional life and vice versa blurred in i mean there are so many people out there that are not used to not going you know always being in an office and having that separation uh being uh in business development and and sales and field ops you know that's happened to me my whole life so i've kind of tried to figure out how to navigate it i may be better than some but there's a whole lot of people listening to this show that are nodding their heads right now who have never worked from home and have figured that out. And all of a sudden they're like, I've never worked so hard in my life because work just bleeds in every hour of the day. And it never used to do that because I just went home, but I'm here now. Um, That's right. it's an shift, very awkward shift. Just make sure you take a shower in the morning. So John, I'm not sure where you're at with the pizza. Pizza's I- done. All cut up. <laughs> Oh, you're ready for the second half of the show. I'm just buying time because you know what? Let's 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 walk through the box scores, okay? Because that pizza's got to cool a little bit. That's right. Very hot. I'll come up with a I'll come up with a tirade at some point along the way here, and then you can (laughs) scarf down a slice in the middle of the show. (laughs) So if I talk funny from here on out, you'll know that I burned the roof of my mouth. How about that, dude? Pizza (laughs) hot. Let's do it. (laughs) 
All right, so the first game was very early in the season, right? Like it was still in October, or was it early November? Yeah, no, the first first game uh, of of the season was October twenty fifth. Uh, Celtics won by six. The second game of the of the year, of course, they lose the opening night uh, game to Milwaukee. So that's kind of some interesting kind of duality there. Um, you know, and, and specifically talking about Hayward, uh, fifteen points, eight boards. Two assists, a plus nine, uh, tied for the team's lead in, in plus minus with Tatum. Um, only took twelve shots though, three for four from the three. So um, efficient. Selfish, so selfish. You know, uh, Tatum had twenty-two, Kemba had twenty-two. Uh, yeah, T- Tatum Kemba was. Kemba set up a good uh, series. Let's say that, and Kemba wasn't nearly as you know acclimated to the team because it was early, even though they did play sure. some. USA back. And I was thinking about this bubble thing and I was like mm-hmm. that this is a lot like USA basketball because of them all being kind of in one area, limited travel, lots of team unity. I I got to think that there's a sense of familiarity for those four players right now in the bubble um as they're playing together in in this postseason. So, something I just thought the other day I I wanted to mention but but Kemba should get his shots off. And he was hot against Philly, where he should have struggled even more. And I love the way he finished that uh, series, those last two games. It ought to carry nicely into this series. I yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and you know, there are that was exactly what they needed, or what Kemba, I should say, exactly what he needed to have Joel Embiid decide to sit back and stand, you know, fifteen feet away from him while. Uh, he took while well, Kemba took practice jump shots. Uh, <laughs> it's exactly what Kemba needed to get going. And in a series like this, a lot is going to be asked of Kemba on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, he did not have a great start to that Philly series. I thought, particularly defensively, um, really picked it up in games three and four. And, and they're going to need that effort to continue here against Toronto because whether you talk about Van Vliet or you talk about Lowry. Um, and Kemba's going to get one of them likely as as the call for for who he'll be defending. Both of them are a a, a tough tough ask for any any you know any backcourt. Uh, so who of, torched them in that first game? Was it Van Vliet or? Well, <laughs> I, I think it was yeah. Van Vliet had twenty. Oh, excuse me. In the, in the, that was the first in the second game. In the first game, uh, it was much. <laughs> I think it was probably you could say Siakam had 33 and Lowry had 29, and then Oyabaka had double figures from anybody else. Ah, so, okay. yeah, Van Vliet only was two for 11. He couldn't get anything going. Uh, you know, OG, you know, nine points, one point from Marcus All, um, 0 for eight from the nice. field. So you know, <laughs> and which big was that? All did Tice get the bulk of the minutes? Who else? I mean, I Tice think Tice did, but. Yeah, Tice did. He got the he got the most. He got well. He got 14 and a half minutes. Grant actually had 21 minutes. Uh, Rob Williams had 14 minutes. Uh, no time. That was when uh, 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 Cantor was. Out. I, you know, right. He was he was out, and I think that was. Yeah, I can't remember what what it, you know injury that was with his shoulder or what that was, but um, any event. All yeah. right, let's go to the second game. So. Everybody but Canner was healthy in Game One. Was were, were both teams fully healthy for Game Two? Well, no, they didn't. So no uh, Norgasol, um, which which is an issue certainly. Uh, and they didn't have um, 
uh, Norm Powell as well. So, you know, they're missing two of their top seven. All right, um, so we can almost you know, scrap this but, one in terms of evaluation for the most part. Not necessarily. Was, yeah, so the second one was the Christmas Day game, and that was the, a real oh, blowout, right. I think. Um, you know, you know, Tatum was he only he was only five for eighteen, uh, eleven points. Jalen had thirty that day. Kemba twenty-two. Gordon had fourteen. Tice thirteen. Twelve points from Cantor out there on that game, uh, and eleven rebounds. Um, but you know, again. Gordon Hayward six for nine, so he did have, you know, he, he shot a high percentage. So efficient. Didn't even yeah. didn't even get double digits in shots though. So you know, again, you know, he, he did have six assists. Again, moving the ball, trying to keep things going. We score 118 points. That's you know, that's part of it certainly. Romeo got 20 minutes that that game, uh, plus 19 in that in Ooh, that game. There you so, go. Positive signage. It's funny, Hayward and Langford having great games. Okay, but Norman Powell was injured. Gasol was out. Different team. Let's go to game three, and then we'll circle back for the bubble and and more recent memory. So game three was the loss, the the lone loss the Celtics had to the Raptors this season um, just a few days later. Um, And this one was was kind of interesting. Uh, You know, you had – uh, Patrick McCaw had 18 points in this game. He got the start, oh, right. played 42 minutes. I mean, just ridiculous. I remember that. It was disgusting watching him yes. just kill us. I mean, yes. he killed us. No, no Fred Van Vliet in that game. No Norm Powell in that game. No Gasol in that game. So three of their top seven are out. Yeah, it should have been a smoke show, and it should have been. Instead, you had 30 from Lowry, 20 from Ibaka, 18 from Van Vliet. 18 from McCaw. Oh, sorry, they did have Van Vliet. Um, but you know, between those those uh, those four guys, you had 80 points just about between the three of them. So or four of them, not great. You know, the Celtics really bad. Apart from uh, Tatum was a plus three. Everybody else was in the minus. Uh, Tatum was three for seven. Uh, Kemba 11 for 13. He had 30 points, but not a you know not a you know not a great shooting uh, night behind the behind the arc. Uh, three for 11. So, and again, Gordon Hayward, three for 13. So again, not this like giant, you know, Gordon Hayward is the, the difference against uh, the Toronto Raptors that uh, we were looking for there. Uh, All right. So now it's time to just go to the bubble then too many injuries around that Christmas time to, to draw a lot. Uh, First game of the year, six point win, definitely something that we can look at, but so so far in the past. Now now we come into the bubble and the Celtics get a 22-point victory, the biggest victory against Toronto of the season, I believe, right? Unless that Christmas Day game was was a bigger than a 22. I remember it being a blowout, but I don't know how it finished. But I'd say this is the biggest one because both teams were healthy. Um, I don't see anybody missing on the Raptors roster for that game. I don't recall anybody being out. Gordon Hayward, nine points, nine rebounds, four for seven from the field. There he is again, being super efficient in 30 minutes. Um, Tatum only played 28 minutes. Uh, Daniel Tice, 11 points, 11 rebounds, which I really like seeing him getting those boards athletically. That really helps us. The biggest thing that Gasol does that's going to hurt us is shoot from the outside as a big man, but we can still roam. So I don't think, you know, this is this. Robert Williams, 10 points, four rebounds in just 11 minutes, big impact. And then we talked about Brad Wanamaker, 15 points, 
and four rebounds coming off the bench, which is a big sign knowing that Smart's not going to be around. And the plus-minus in that game, really strong for everybody except for, you know, the deep bench players. Ojale, Langford did not have a good good game. Um, You know, we we had Green and Williams. And Williams might get some time. Canner didn't play at all. But really, really solid showing. The starters just seemed to, to erupt. And and I don't know. Sometimes teams just have an off night. But Ananobi in the starting lineup only gets three points. Siakam, like you said, you know, kind of came down and was much more pedestrian. Nobody had more points than Fred Van Vliet's 13. And then they had four players with 11 in Siakam, Lowry, Powell, and Hollis Jefferson. And I feel like Hollis Jefferson's kind of emerged since those first three games that the Celtics played up against him, don't you? Yeah, I mean, he fits that kind of that role. I mean, he's, you know, certainly defense and, and strong athletic guy. Uh, you know, they're really he, he's he has filled a role there. Uh, Matt Thomas has also kind of stood up and, and, and gotten a bit more of, a, of an opportunity um davis you know there's davis i mean they're going they've played a lot of these guys through the series against the magic um certainly they've had a lot of blowouts so that that always helps to to broaden your bench but uh, yeah i think i think hollis jefferson is probably when they look at that probably eight nine ten guy um hollis jefferson is, is in that mix um but you know i think you know how will they will these teams get deep to their bench um, you know, I think the deeper it goes, the better it probably helps, uh, you know, helps the Raptors. I mean, like I said, sure. Alice Jefferson, Alice Jefferson, a vet, Stanley Johnson, a vet, Ibaka, you know, certainly having gone to the finals, started in the finals, uh, you know, Norm Powell. Um, and they're rested because they smoked Brooklyn. Sure. If you look at sure. minutes played, like Lowry only played nine minutes in that final game. They scored 150 points. As we're emphasizing the bench well, here, well, but that was Fred was Van Vliet. Oh, that's true. That's true. We got to talk about the injury because the injury is that is you know I mean go go keep going to your point, but we got to talk about the injury certainly. Nah, I'm just saying minute minute minutes are down for a lot of these players. They can spread it out. The great thing about that is I don't think the Celtics really suffer from that because they're just yeah. coming out of a Bangham and Bruzem series, so they're ready to go. And that's really just not how the Raptors play. It's much more of a speed game. And I feel like the Celtics are actually going to find a lot more success at the rim against the Raptors than they would have if they hadn't started with Philly. I think they're going to be more adept at taking contact without getting pulled out of their game. I think some of the ticky-tack types of fouls that they're very likely to get against a speedy Raptors team, you know, it's going to happen. They're going to be a little slow. They're not going to rotate. They're going to be flat for stretches like they are. I think they're going to rebound quicker because they've kind of really gone through the total opposite of Toronto and gotten battle tested on all those kinds of things. Getting to the rim should feel so much easier for them and dealing with foul trouble and and BS around that. I I think they're just going to be more resilient. I think that first round opponent with the same similar sweeping success that the Raptors had is strong for, for the Celtics. Look, if you're, if you're playing against the Raptors, right. And you got Gasol out there as, as your five man, you know, if he's playing drop coverage and he's going to give those mid range jump shots, we've been, that's how the Celtics have made a living for the last four games. So if they're going to bring him up and he's going to be at the point of attack, 
they're going to get by him. There isn't a second level guy unless OG's there or um, Siakam. And with the way the Celtics have been shooting the ball, there's no you, you've got to be pick your poison effectively, you know. And to me, if I'm the if I'm the Raptors and and the way that they play with Van Vliet and the way they play with Lowry, they get up in your face. But if you get by them, it's you know you're gonna you're gonna get to the rim, you know. Now. The, and the other problem with that, too, is that if Celtics can get to the rim, then that's going to cut down the number of opportunities that the Raptors are going to have to get out and run. So, you know, it's, it is this thing where, you know, there's more incentives, even more incentives than usual to not settle for jumpers, attack the paint, attack the rim, try to get them, get to the line, slow the game down a little bit. Uh, Celtics have the fifth best uh, ability to stop transition points. The, the Raptors are the best transition team in the league. So, I mean, that's probably going to be where the where this whole series rests. Can the Celtics slow them down enough, uh, keep them out of you know out of that run and gun style um, that they've done so well? And with. drawing fouls on offense because if they throw up some of those shots and they don't go in, that's when they get attacked in transition, and that's when they're really totally. going to get hurt when they're totally. attacking. It's one thing when you call it transit. Part of the reason their transition numbers are good is because they jack a lot of threes and then they mm-hmm. call that transition, but they're already back because everybody was pretty much out on the perimeter and, and that's kind of Brad's style. So if they do get heavy with attacking the middle, it does also make them vulnerable in transition more so, um, you know, than you would even think, uh, when the Raptors sure. then come and attack and, and that, transition defense ranking may not be quite as strong as it appears. No. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that that's also indicative of a team that's been really good about a really good offensive team. First of all, they're not giving up a lot of those opportunities throughout the season. Uh, and they also have a lot of athletic long guys, you know, the Celtics do apart from, apart from uh, Kemba. I mean, really there's just about everybody who's going to be out there is going to contest to some degree uh, in a transition situation if you're on the wing. So you've got you've got some chances there and, and some better opportunities than so maybe some other teams might when you're that switchable and that flexible, you know, as, as the Celtics roster is. Um, you know, I, I, I just hope that what – I hope the Celtics uh, do, don't find themselves in those, in those early, you know, quarter – Droughts. You know, first quarter yeah, droughts. droughts. Yep. Those yep. have been really a problem – you know, it shows resiliency, you know, and I think you got to tip your hat, to, you know, to start. We started talking about this in a way. You got to tip your cap because there were some shots that Philly was making those first quarters that were kind of crazy, kind of ridiculous, you know. But but, you know, even apart from that, there became a theme certainly through that series of like, oh, OK, now it's time for us to go down by 11 in the first five minutes. And let's see the Celtics, <laughs> you know, dig back. And then they did because they were the better team. It's what Here, they do. The but, talent yeah. is not that big of a difference. You know, there is a lot of talent on this roster. But the big question is, what's going to happen to Kyle, Kyle Lowry? Because Kyle yep. Lowry is... Your cross- pizza's getting cold. Lowry, predictions close. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. I To me, Lowry's the guy, though. I mean, he is the guy that keeps this thing going. And we saw that in the finals... That clincher that they had against the Warriors, and yes, the Warriors were limited. That was all about Kyle Lowry is the guy that brought them over the finish line. Kyle Lowry is the guy that that powers them. 
in the same way Marcus Smart does, only he has a much higher offensive you know load that he has to carry for these for these Raptors. To me, without Lowry or limited Lowry on both ends, but particularly defensively, I think this is this could be a sh- this is could be a shorter series um, because I think the they Stars have could, the depth. You know, but it, but it's yeah. the equalizer. It's the equalizer with Hayward, and it's not really an equalizer. It's it's no. it, you know teams healthy. Toronto without Lowry and Boston without Hayward edge Boston. So it's not really an equalizer in terms of talent on the floor. Much bigger impact to have Lowry off for the Raptors negatively. But what it does do is it shortens that bench uh, impact that Toronto has. That edge that they have. Them losing Lowry brings this a lot closer because they'll probably bring Powell in, right? He'll move into that starting lineup most likely. And then that whole offensive piece off the bench, the same way Smart is defense and playmaker off the bench for the Celtics. It it does equalize that advantage a, a lot, a lot. And the starting lineup is definitely a stronger. Celtics are okay to take – Hayward out of that starting lineup and put smart in, you know, the impact of that is on the bench, not on the starting lineup, it probably balances things better on the starting lineup to have smart in there because he's so focused on the hustle plays and the defense. And he can check a player like Lowry. If he's healthy, the issue is that it then leaves the Celtics bench quite thin and with the switchability and everything, and and the fact that Marcus is a is more of a natural playmaker at the point guard position, he's better suited off the bench than Hayward. But it it's definitely moving moving Smart and moving Powell into the starting lineups kind of makes things you know the same the same or or better for the Celtics when you consider that the starting lineup is definitely weakened on Toronto. So I'm I agree it's a big deal. We don't really know what's going to happen at this point. We know he had an MRI. They're not really talking about limited minutes or not playing or anything yet. There's really no word. So we'll see as we approach uh, game time on Thursday, assuming that there is a game, assuming that there is a game or a series. John, what's your prediction? Let's wrap this, baby. Do <laughs> uh, you want to look series-wide predictions or just uh, game one? No, nah, series-wide. Let's go series-wide. And we don't really need to. The, 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 there's some the pretty game by big game. variable game by game right now. So yeah, let's do series. So I, I'm 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 very bullish right now about where the Celtics feel and where they've been playing. Uh, I, I've respected Toronto throughout the year. I think they're a tough out no matter what you say or what you do. I, I really uh, been so impressed with what they've done, but. I'm going to I'm going to bank on the fact that Lowry is going to be slowed for at least the first 3 games. The first 3 games, these games are one they're a game, a day off, a game, a day off, a game. So in in less than a week, you're going to play 3 games. And I think that that's a real big problem for a guy who's trying to get his ankle healed and only has Who a could few also days re-injure off. it? Who could also Absolutely. re-injure it? And he's a gamer. I mean, all the respect in the world to Kyle Lowry uh, grifter supreme a guy who you know really is is, is a marcus smart at heart uh, in terms of how he plays and he's gonna annoy the hell out of me for the next two weeks and but one of those like think, good people guys you know you never you probably. never find yourself upset at lowry no i'm just saying well, when you're playing against him i don't he doesn't really get under my skin oh he gets under my skin terribly but i'm, oh, really? but I'm, I'm petty good. oh i'm petty i'm petty i'm very petty though like that i i but i i think 
to me, I think Marcus Smart, you know, I, I think that there's a balance there. To me, the injury is too much for Toronto to overcome. I think without him losing Kawhi a year ago, but but having a weakened or a lessened Kyle Lowry means the Celtics steal right. more games early on. I'm saying the Celtics, this is a six-game series. Uh, I got seven. Celtics and six. Yeah, I'm going Celtics and seven. And uh, I think you're right about all that, but it's unpredictable. He may not even be as bad off as, you know, they're just being mysterious about it. Here's the other thing. Very well-coached team. Extremely well-coached. Deep team. Rallying cry around Lowry. And I think that that alone, guys getting opportunities, and then maybe him coming back, I think they stay in it. I think they are absolute, absolutely a bunch of fighters. And I think fighters always take series late, regardless of injuries. Um, and, and I do think that the Celtics win this one. I'm very hopeful that, that Hayward will be able to come back, even if it's just in limited minutes and starts to get stronger through the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, and, and so I, I do think that the Celtics go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think it takes seven games. I think you're going to see a couple of stinkers from the Celtics, to be honest with you. Um, not because they don't have the chemistry and whatnot, but watching Brown and, and Tatum come back down to earth after two games, and I know this is going to be a different kind of defense, but watching them come back down to earth for two games, I don't think that they survive that, even with a big performance from Kemba and a great shooting night from Smart. I don't think they survive that against a much better offensive team in the Toronto Raptors. Uh, like they did against the 76ers. So I actually think it goes seven. All fair. Uh, and I'll also, as a bonus prediction, I'd say I think Miami puts the Bucks to seven games as well. Yeah, absolutely. They look hot. They And, and that, that team has absolutely taken on uh, Butler's personality. I mean, yeah. they want to scrap. And that's yeah. exactly – what you need to do against the Milwaukee Bucks, in my opinion, never mm-hmm. go away. Come back like that little Chihuahua and chew their ankle off. And that, but 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 every once in a while, a pit bull shows up to the fight, and that's Jimmy Butler. I I, I agree. I think they go seven. I'm not saying it's a coin flip, but I, I I give Miami as good a chance to beat them as I as I any give other team. either of the, either yeah. yeah any other team to beat them absolutely because of their the way that they're set up and. Bam on on uh, on Giannis and I, I just they're they're best set up for um for a, a long run and I think it's I don't want to say it's a coin flip but it's a it's a pretty pretty much uh, as equal footing I think that they could be in the Eastern Conference Finals facing the Celtics as as Milwaukee and Kelly Olynyk you know turning into a very serviceable kind of role playing big man there for Miami so all right well. That's going to do it for this week's episode. As a reminder, you can follow us on Instagram and and uh, all the other ones. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. At CSL underscore Justin. At CSL underscore Duke. On uh, CSL underscore Tweet Live. Yep. You got you got our, our, our group on Facebook. What else MySpace. we got? MySpace. Evo. MySpace. Evo. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making them up at this point. A heartfelt thank you to Nick anyway. Gelso for putting up with our crap over the years. <laughs> Thanks to Manscaped for, for advertising. Yeah, they, did, they didn't have an advertisement back, this Manscaped. week. 
I just want everybody to know that we talked last week. John got both kits, and I, I got a text message from John earlier today, and then I got the confirmation from UPS. He did not use my kit. He is sending it to me. Thank you, John. Gently, gently used. Gently <laughs> Yeah, that's just not how Manscaped works. That's not how Manscaped no. <laughs> <laughs> That's just uh, not how that works. <laughs> all right, everybody. Hopefully, we will all be enjoying the series come Thursday night. And, uh, you know, if it goes four, I'm happy with that as long as the Celtics are on top. But I think it goes seven. John says six. We'll be back to recap where we're at with a couple of games down next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs>